Thank you for listening to Comics for Fun and Profit. This is Drew with a special episode of my other podcast that I co-host regularly. And uh, it's Weekly Comic Spotlight over at John Mayo's comic book page. And uh, for those of you who haven't heard it, I wanted to give you a chance to listen to it. It's a standard review show of uh, a Marvel, a DC, and an independent comic. Uh, each week. So uh, check this out. And if you like it, go over there and subscribe or check out uh, those those episodes. They're a lot of fun. So thanks again for listening. Um, here you go. This is Weekly Comics Spotlight number 532 for comics originally released on October 18th, 2017. Now starting us off in DC is Superman number 33. This is starting the Imperious Lex storyline. And they're, of course, telling one storyline here. They're doing the Oz effect over in Action Comics. I am at the point where I kind of like it where they don't do that, because it's hard to tell if this is happening before or after the other storyline. And this is following up on some some, uh, story arc we got, I forget in which title, not that long ago, where... um, You know what helps? Hmm. If you just treat them all like Elseworlds. Just treat them all like Elseworlds, because it, it makes it easier. It makes it easier, but if they're going to do a shared universe, if they're going to have continuity, they should have a shared universe and have continuity. This is a storyline that's building on a story they've already told, so they're they're playing with continuity right here. It's not like they're starting with a blank slate. This is picking up on the heels of some of the stuff they've done with Apocalypse and the storyline where somebody was uh, afraid that Lex was going to take over Apocalypse and therefore he must die and... Superman had to protect him and stuff. And it was it was not a bad storyline. But I'm not the biggest fan of Apocalypse, so having a story f- focusing on that, focusing on Luthor, yeah, it was it was so so. They did a, a bit at the beginning where we've got these uh the villains here in Metropolis, and these guys are geniuses. I mean, we've had super scientists before, but nobody as brilliant as this to go around with plastic masks of faces of the Justice Leaguers call themselves the Justice League of Armed Robbery, and to do it in Metropolis, no less. The only thing that would have been stupider than this would be to do it in Gotham City. I mean, you're, you're asking the Justice League to take interest and to take you down. Which, uh, in this case, Superman and Lex take these guys down in fairly short order. But it was a much-needed scene because it really kind of established that Lex wearing this, this Superman-looking armor has become generally accepted in Metropolis by the police, by Superman even. And I'll be honest, that's where this story f- sort of fell apart a little bit for me. Not so much the fault of this story, but because of all the stuff DC's been doing over the last year or so, I'll be honest that I'm a little confused as to which Lex Luthor this is. I mean, these characters aren't... I'm not sure who these characters are right now, both Superman and Lex. Yeah, I... I um. I, I mean, I, I really like that initial where story arc where Lex was taking over the mantle um, uh, uh, and and being Metropolis's Superman, and and I thought we moved past that, and that was over. Nope. And so, and a lot of time has passed, or at least a couple of story arcs have passed since we've touched on that, and now it seems like it's still status quo, status quo, and so it, it kind of was jarring for me. I I, I I didn't think that was still a thing. 
I knew it was still a thing, but the part that was jarring for me is, and they reference it here, the whole bit with who is Clark Kent because he's not Superman, and the whole this Superman from um, Convergence and and pre-Flashpoint has completely and utterly replaced the new 52 Superman with the backstory and whatnot of that being eradicated to where it's as if this Superman, Lois and, and Jonathan Kent, had always been there. And along with that was the implication that his backstory, complete with an evil Lex Luthor, also happened. Yet this Lex isn't really that Lex, but I'm not sure he's the one that we'd been seeing in the New 52 exactly either. It's a little confusing. It's not a huge deal, again, if you take your suggestion of treat them all like Elseworlds. There's a time where they're, they're sort of forcing that, and that annoys me and that bothers me. Yeah, especially if you like the uh, the shared universe and, and everybody crossing over and, and playing fair and playing by the rules. And, and I, it's just sometimes we don't seem to be getting that. There's When the stuff that's going on in Metal isn't really commented on in some of the other books, so... Uh, I assume it's out of continuity. I, I think that's a fair assumption to make. I, it may I not be may not be their intent. Disagree not, with that, but okay. I, I don't does, expect, it doesn't it doesn't I, feel connected. It doesn't feel connected to anything. Nothing may, else is 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 going along and playing along. Um that's that's incorrect. I mean we've had a crossover in Teen Titans, we're gonna have one in Justice League, we're gonna have one I think in Flash and a number of other titles. So they're definitely connecting metal with the mainstream storylines and titles. Just because a story doesn't mention something doesn't mean it didn't happen. Because I certainly don't expect every story to mention every other story all the time. That would just get overwhelming. And, and I, mi- a- I miss the red skies, I guess. Certainly there are some crossovers that were much more obvious that were happening in the background. But just like how during the New 52, they flooded Gotham, Metropolis, Boston, and a few other towns. And we never really saw too much of a sign of that elsewhere, but it still theoretically happened. No, that's right. Yeah, that's that's loose continuity. It's it's a misuse of a shared universe, and that bothers me a little. But it's one of those things that when they tell stories that specifically rework the timeline and backstory of characters, that's where it's hard to kind of stitch everything back together and understand what's going on. Yeah, it can uh, be that can be tough. Yeah, it does feel like they're they're rewriting some things sometimes. Yeah, well, and certainly in the Superman area specifically. Um, with the, he's the, the new, new 52 Superman in the current time frame of these comics never happened. Um, and that, that first, the, the, the double page spread with the, the credits on it. Is that Granny Goodness up in the top corner? Yes. Okay. So, so Mr. Miracle is out of continuity then. Why do you say that? I don't think she's doing really well over in that title. I don't see anything here that, that firmly places Mr. Miracle in or out of continuity. They've got a shared universe. The default would be it's in. Okay. Not saying it is. I'm just saying that's that's my supposition. Um, again, coordinating the timeline of all this stuff can be challenging at best. And maybe that's it. It's it's all in the shared universe. It's just in maybe the timelines don't line up exactly right. Does this take place before or after the Oz Effect storyline going on in action? Don't know. Mm-hmm. I think that's important, though. I like I like I like the asterisks and the edit editor's notes that say this takes place before this takes place after. I prefer they tell stories where it's not so confusing. They need to do that. At one point in the Superman titles, you had Superman action, Man of Steel and Adventures of Superman. 
And between the four titles, they were dovetailing stories such that it was as if it was one weekly book, and you were following the life of Superman. I prefer that to snippets and storylines. This storyline in particular was setting up the arc, or this issue in particular was setting up the arc, and there are one or two places where Lex is done in one of those, only a Kryptonian can hear this, I'll get word to Superman that way. Superman gets it, uh, his son hears it too, they get a headache, whatever, and Superman's like, yeah, he wants me to go check on him, but he's, he's, he's essentially cried wolf before, so I'm gonna ignore it, let's go watch a movie. That surprised me. That's not the Superman I expect. The one I expect would have been a little annoyed, would have been a little frustrated, would have gone anyways, or at the very least, would have cast a glance over there with x-ray and telescopic vision to see if Lex is over there in trouble or whatever, realized he wasn't, and said, ah, well, maybe I better go check this out or something. But it's hard to know how to interpret this when I don't really fully understand the relationship between this Superman and this Lex, because I'm a little confused as to which Superman and Lex were, what their backstory and who they are at the moment. Um, so I think they've, there's been enough unraveling of, of character and storylines and backstory to cause some, some confusion. And there have been enough editors who have weighed in and said, well, now it all matters. Now it all happened and everything occurred and they, they didn't wipe anything away. So they've kind of stepped back from the new 52 five-year compression storyline. So it it should be, like you said, it should be all the same baggage with Lex in this story. So every evil thing he's ever done should be in the cerebral cortex of this Superman. But this Lex has as much backstory from the New 52, the armor, the, the becoming good, if you will, through Forever Evil and stuff like that, of the New 52 timeline. But I, th- I think the New 52 happened too, right? They both, they, they can't both have happened, maybe for Lex, but not for Superman. Superman could not have both been, as Clark Kent, married to Lois, and as Clark Kent, not married to Lois. And both a father and not a father at the same time. Their, their mutual exclusiveness there. Well, didn't, didn't Mixelplick fi- figure all that out? They've set it up such that now the New 52 Superman stuff as far as this world is concerned, didn't happen. The this new is Superman. And always the, has the Chinese been Superman? Superman? No, no, no. <laughs> the new, fi- yeah. That, that's another point of confusion. We won't go there. <laughs> I can't imagine you trying to explain this to a layman. Explain it. I'm not even sure I fully understand it anymore. <laughs> the bottom line is there were bits and pieces of this that felt a little odd. Now, if they'd shown over the last couple of months or whatever, Lex constantly summoning Superman to show off his new armor or something like that. And Superman basically said, dude, chill out a little. You know, you're crying wolf, essentially. I'm not always going to come if you keep doing this. Then this would have played fine. But we haven't seen that. Yeah. No, not in Superman, not in action, not in uh, Justice League, not in uh, Superwoman or Supergirl or any of the other various titles. Or if I have, I've forgotten it, but I don't think I've seen it. This story I thought was fine. It wasn't great. wasn't horrible. I'm just not all that excited about a story set on Apocalypse, focusing on Lex with uh, Lois and John and uh, kind of lost on, on Apocalypse to have their own adventures. Um, it, I'm sure it'll be a decent story, but it's not one that I'm thinking, wow, I'm so glad they told this. Yeah, how big is Apocalypse? How because how, they're all they're in separate places, but how far away are they from each other? Do we know? 
It is planet size, whether it's a large planet or a small planet, don't know, but it's planet size. We just get the one kind of teleportation panel of them separate, but I'm not sure how far away they are from each other. We have no way of knowing. They could be blocks away, they could be miles away, they could be continents apart, if Apocalypse has continents. I'm not sure if it does. It's mainly got the the fire pits, those volcano-looking things. So, yeah, no idea. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting story. I mean, I think the Doug Monkey arc is really, really strong. Uh, really, he's he's a great artist, and, and he has some really shining moments here, and, and a lot of strong strong character work, and, and he does a good job of of capturing um, the essence of, and I just think he's a really strong artist. It's, it's really good. Um, the, the story itself, um, these, these guys have been writing it and, and there've been some ups and downs in this arc, uh, like some more than others. Um, but this, this is good, but it's not, it's not the best that I've read of the, of the, of the new rebirth relaunch. Um, but I still think this is, um, one of DC's stronger titles. I think it's, it's, Good. Um, it's certainly stronger than a few, many other titles, but it's not, like you said, one of their strongest titles. I've always kind of favored uh, action over Superman since the New Fifty Two, and certainly since Rebirth. But I mean, for me, this is this is good, but um, not one of those that it's like, wow, this is the best Superman story ever told. But I mean, that's a that's a really high bar, so I'll admit that. I'm going to go with a B minus on this. I thought it was fine. I thought it was good. If you like Apocalypse more than I do, this may click better with you. Um, I'm curious where they go with it. I hope they tell a fun story. Again, Dyslex is, is interesting and cool, but I'm just a little confused as to his backstory. Yeah, I'm going to give it uh, a B, and and I, th- I think it's a good read. Read better in this in this volume, um, but it's still, it's still pretty good. Shall we move over to our Marvel book? Certainly. This is The Incredible Hulk, number 709. This is part of the legacy numbering. This is part one of Return to Planet Hulk. Did you read Totally Awesome Hulk number 23? No. That, I'm going to say, is the previous issue, because it kind of, sort of is, and but it's another title. It's the last issue of that title, yada, yada. It's usual numbering confusion. That issue sort of set up Amadeus Cho's Hulk being shot into space for, one could argue, some much-needed alone time. But when I first started reading this, and he's in this this isolation satellite day of self-quarantine and stuff, like, I kind of felt that, like, Black Panther had shot him into space and as the Hulk, and he may not be too happy about it or whatever. So I had to actually go double-check that, and it's like, yeah, technically what they did follows on, but the flow, I don't know, something felt a little off on that, and uh, it, it, it picked up differently than I had expected it to, given the, the way it ended, although he's in space, he was in space, it it, 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 it works. It just, I don't know, it, it felt a little weird. Um, and then within a few pages, like literally two or three, he gets the call from uh, the, the Planet Hulk, and he's off there to, to go adventure, which surprised me a little, because... Uh, that planet is somehow still intact, whereas when last we left it, it was pretty well shattered. Um, decidedly so, and I think very visibly so in a few different storylines and titles. So how it got all put back together, I don't know. Uh, this is another one where I'm a little bit confused on that stuff. The story, I thought, was was, eh, was well enough told. I mean, the art by Greg Land is 
pretty much exactly what you would expect it to be. Uh, in places, it's uh, really good. In other places, it's really referenced and still really good. I mean, he's a talented artist. But, like, if you go to the final page of the story, um, there's the inset panel with the the female. Yeah. And that face, we've we've literally seen a thousand times before from, from Greg Land. I think the problem isn't that he uses reference for his art. It's that he doesn't change up the references enough. The story by Greg Pak is is good. It covers quite a bit of ground, getting him from being just in this isolation thing, off to Planet Hulk, into the adventure, and all of that stuff. Um, so certainly not decompressed by any stretch of the imagination. But this isn't the kind of story I want for Amadeus Cho. They're starting to, in my mind, move backwards a little bit. We've seen Planet Hulk before, and instead of getting a smart Cho Hulk take on it, we're almost getting a Hulk smash take on Cho, with the implication that he's got the a Hulk persona in him now that's taking over when he, he rages out or whatever. And it, it's unclear if this is or isn't the Hulk persona that wasn't Banner, but I, I really don't know where they're going with this. And it may turn out to be a really good read, because, I mean, Greg Pak's a, a, a solid writer. I just don't know if that's the direction they should have gone in or not. Because it runs the risk on putting a not-so-great spin on the multiple personality aspect of Bruce Banner, which I thought was a fun take that Peter David instilled there and really took the character from he's a mindless monster to there's some psychological drama and trauma going on here that gave a lot of story potential. I really hope this whole thing isn't building up to another World War Hulk storyline, because that would be redundant and a little repetitive. I just, I, I don't know where they're going with this, and I... I don't think it's the direction I would have taken the title, but I'm not writing it. I'm not qualified to write it, so there's that. <laughs> uh, yeah, the uh, <clears throat> the art by Greg Land, Greg Land is, is interesting. There was a lot of stuff pulled from the latest uh, Road Warrior movie, the George Miller movie that came out last last year, um, or, or inspired by inspired by. And some of the the vehicles are very reminiscent, and some of the um, the characters are very reminiscent of folks from that movie. And I really liked that movie. So, uh, I, I kind of liked that take. I thought that was cool. Um, I don't mind Greg land art usually, I'd, but yeah, when, I guess if you, if you've read enough of it, you probably notice a little more of the characters faces than, than maybe I have, maybe I haven't seen as much to see, to see the over-reliance on reusing of, of characters. But, um, uh, there is a fun inventive, vehicle drawings in here and some and some fun art pieces and set pieces that are that are kind of sweet um the the story itself being a legacy title i had a little bit of expectation that we're going to go back to uh bruce banger and we we mentioned his name in here um but uh kind of like over in in iron man and thor you know we're kind of looks like we're going in a direction that's getting back to the actual heroes uh, that we know. And this, this doesn't look like we're close. Uh, It looks like we're going to stick with Cho for a while. And, you know, I got enough of him uh, in his, in his, this, this book earlier and I didn't care for it. So I think I'll just probably chill out and wait and see until there's a story arc or two, till we get back to, what I think the legacy title should be doing, which is kind of writing the ship and getting back to the original hero. Um, and, and so I'm going to check out of this, I think, and, and stay tuned. Uh, it's, it's okay, but it's, it's just not, 
not my Hulk. And I can understand that. And if they had leveraged that to basically put this Hulk into situations the past Hulk had been in, but because he's a different guy, he handles it radically differently, that could have been fun. But that's not the direction they seem to be going. So I was I was a little frustrated by that. I mean, I do like uh, Amadeus Cho in The Champions. I think he works on that team well. It's a good dynamic. It's not too much of him. Um, I think I just don't think he can carry his own title. I kind of wish they'd put uh, Hercules in here and done this as a buddy book. That would have been fun. Because you'd have had Hercules, the older guy, the god, who's had Amadeus as a sidekick, but now he's kind of the weaker one of the two compared to a Hulk, potentially. Or maybe not. Don't know. I, I think they, they could have, it, it could have made for a very hilarious, you know, who's the brains, who's the brawn sort of a, a thing in that combination. Uh, but alas, not where they went. Uh, do you have the, the print copy or do you have the digital? Digital. Okay. I was just flipping through the, the print copy of this and, uh, I wanna, I wanna do a quick rundown on the ads just cause I can. Inside front cover has a house ad for Doctor Strange and Thanos. On the top and then on the bottom for She-Hulk. Couple of story pages, couple of story pages. We've got the Marvel value stamp, whatever. We've got another house ad for Daredevil, Punisher, Moon Knight, and it's almost got a retro feel to the ad. Couple of more story pages, definitely sort of a retro feel to the house ad for Darkhawk, Shang-Chi, uh, Silver Sable, Power Pack and Not Brand Act, which is, I think, the one-shots they're doing this month. We've got, again, some more story pages, and then the next ad is, uh, the bottom half is the bonus digital content with the peel-off sticker and stuff. The top half is how they got to the legacy numbering for Hulk, in case you were wondering. Um, after the, uh, credit page at the, the end, uh, promo page for the next issue followed by the three pages of the legacy history or whatever of, of Hulk. Then the inside front cover is a house ad for Guardians of the Galaxy, followed by the back cover, which is a house ad for Captain America. All of the ads are house ads. All of them are pushing legacy. They're not promoting anything else, not even the Star Wars stuff or anything. Something about that just feels a little, little strange. Um, don't know what to make of it, but it was something that I noticed. Hmm. Story-wise, like I said, uh, this was okay. It was, it was, it was well told. It was not brilliant. It wasn't horrible. Still want to figure out how this world got undemolished, but, you know, maybe we'll find that out. Maybe we won't. But, you know, the, the art and the story were, were well done, even if they told a story that went in a different direction than I would have gone. Uh, it was, it was decent enough read. I'm going to go with a, a B minus on this. I'm not that far away from you. I'm going to C plus and, um, and, you know, the, there's some interesting things in here, but not enough for me to read long term. And um, I hope they kind of get back to what I think legacy should be from from some of the ones, the other ones that I've read. So you're thinking uh, Banner needs to come back? I'm thinking so. Yeah, I think that it makes the most sense for for the the brand that I as I see it. Um, you know, in some of the other books that I've read and the directions they're they're moving in. You know, it makes sense to go back to the original numbering. It makes sense to revisit the character that you've built this gigantic number on. And and you can always revisit this new character again. But to be in this main title with the new number 
with the legacy number, I think it has to be the old character and um, you better do it pretty quickly or you're going to lose any of those re- of those lapsed readers that you got to come back and check this out. Well, it's interesting because I think with legacy, you can either look at what built the legacy or the handing off of the legacy, kind of the passing of the mantle sort of a thing. And can you have it both ways? You can you can argue the legacy approach, the branding could go either way, but it's got to go one of the two. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know which they were really intending. I think the argument that if they're going back to the old numbering, it's kind of a throwback to the old school stuff. And yeah, I would have expected uh, Bruce Banner in this. So I, I see where you're coming from on that. We'll we'll see where we wind up in a few months. Yeah, I think it, I think it's. You could definitely go in that other direction that you mentioned, the handing off of the baton to the next generation hero. Um, I, I don't know that I, I don't know if the, the press that you've garnered, the publicity that you've garnered for legacy pays off with the lapsed reader with that direction. Um, I don't think that's what they want. Um, I can't speak for them as a group, as a collective, but I'm guessing that's not what they want. Um, much like it wasn't everything they wanted in new 52. Uh, so I'd be curious if, if that pans out, if they end up going in that direction. Yeah. I think it, it comes down to, if you're dealing with legacy, it's what established it, not can the new kids live up to it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little behind on my reading. Unsurprisingly, I'm going to be curious what I think of the other titles as I kind of go through them. Yeah. Shall we move on to our other book? Yeah, let's do that. It is uh, Maestros number one from Image Comics. I have a press PDF of this. This is not something I bought. And I'll be honest, this is not something I uh, regret not having bought. This is, it's not a bad comic, but not all comics are for me. I'm not for all comics. This seemed to be uh, the case here. It was something that when the story started out with the uh, the guy missing a limb and having been brutally killed and stuff. I'm like, okay, this is this is starting out a little gorier than I would kind of care for, but you know, okay, we can we can forgive this if we move on. A little bit of exposition there to explain who this dude is, why he's been killed, why his entire family's been eradicated and all that stuff. This is the sort of story that we have seen numerous variations on of basically the normal kid from Earth. It really isn't a normal kid. He's he's the son or she's the daughter of, of the intergalactic warlord or the magic uh, emperor from another planet or, you know, another realm or whatever. Um, they have that secret history and their birthright comes comes back to either haunt them or, or help them or whatever. In this case, I'm uh, not sure which direction yet. We get a, quite a bit with the mother and actually that scene with the, the plant-headed guy was, was kind of interesting. Um and it's, again, giving us some exposition of, okay, this guy's been eradicated. We've got to go find the heir to the throne, essentially. But once we started getting the scene with the kid, this is one of those things where I felt they got a little crass. Uh, it made me realize that even though it's not on the front cover, the back cover does have a mature reader's warning on it. I really think it should have been on the front cover. And it's 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 an unoriginal story. It certainly has its own take on it. And the fact that it's unoriginal, I don't mean as a negative or a bad thing. That, to me, is a statement of fact. This is a standard uh, kind of a plot line, and I'm sure we could go back through the last couple of years and uh, name probably half a dozen different titles, many from Image, some from other places, 
that are doing different takes on that kind of, you know, lost child of, of the powerful person from the other realm. I just got to where I, I didn't care for the kid, didn't care for the father, didn't care that much for the mother, but she was the most likable of the bunch. Aspects of the tone and style of the comic were a little uh, more crass or gory or whatever in a few places at the beginning and, and whatnot. There's just, yeah, it's, it's, it was clear it wasn't for me early on. Um, and the storytelling format is kind of, particularly more so at the end, giving us, cutting between the backstory of this kid and how he found out who his father was and what that meant, along with the current day of his mother seeking him out, saying, hey, this thing that's actually just about obliterated you is out to kill you, by the way, as if he couldn't figure that out. And it, it ended in a way that the the final scene of will he survive his training or not in the flashback it kind of really didn't matter because we've already seen him older. Um, so it, the, the, the note this issue ended on just seemed a little perplexing. It's like you're, you're teasing this naive little kid is, is going to his doom when we know he survives it. So where's the, the, the suspense there? I do think there's an audience that is going to absolutely love this. Some of the art is spectacular. The storytelling is, uh, reasonably well done. It's just aspects of the story it's telling don't intrigue me and uh, didn't uh, didn't work for me. Yeah, I think this thing is beautiful to look at. Um, the the Steve Scrosi art, um, who I last saw with Brian K. Vaughn on We Stand on Guard, mm-hmm. which I believe we reviewed one of those. Um, we did. We did. I think the first issue, maybe. Um, and the art is next level from that. It's it's even better than it was then. Um there's a real passion here. There's a level of detail that is, um, Frank quietly, um, level precision and, um, just amazing, amazing artistry here. Uh, that's worth the price of the comic itself. Um, one of the things with creator owned comics, uh, that I notice the, the group, the good thing about them is, you know, there's there's not a strong editor to keep some of these stories from being told. Um, it's the creator's vision, and he tells it the way he wants to tell it. Uh, kind of the downside is there's not a strong editor to say, well, maybe this doesn't need to be in this order, or maybe you hold this as a flashback for later. Because um, I, I just think that this would have worked better told in a little more linear fashion and not dropping us into this psychedelic look at the murder of someone we don't know or care about. Um, and the, the, these, this fanciful, these fanciful characters, I think it would have worked better as a slower on ramp with the son doing this, the drug deal in the strip club and then built from there to the flashback that, that, I just don't think that was the right way to start. Um, and that's only what five, six pages that you could have just thrown into an, another part of the story. But I think that would have made a difference. Um, I, I, I st- I'm still okay with it, but I just don't think it told the story as well as it could have. And it didn't have the impact that some of these characters interactions could have had, had it, had it built to it and earned it. Um, I, I, I guess I do get the idea of I've got to grab these people uh, in this first issue and 
halfway through this first issue, I've got to put all my cards on the table and get it and so that they're not leaving anything behind. Um, and I don't think he did. He really, he really kind of threw the chick, the kitchen sink at us in the first half of this book. Um, and well, in, in the second half, there was a fair amount of exposition there too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it, you get a, a 30 some pages of, of story here. There's plenty here to chew on. Um, and I know that's the, the new norm in creator owned and in image, especially is to give you those extra pages, those that extra value there. Um, and, and, and it's probably something to be said for that, but I, I just think there's, a strong editor could have helped shape this story a little bit um, and, 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 and helped latch on to um, just who those characters are. Um, I really liked the, this, the kid um, both as an adult drug dealer and as a young chubby boy, <laughs> I liked him a lot. Um, and I liked the mom and I found dad, although um, an, an evil an evil wizard to be funny. And he had his moments, um, especially as, especially when, uh, after marrying the mother, he, uh, then lets, lets her know that he also has a hundred other wives at the, at the reception <laughs> at the wedding reception is when he tells her, which I thought was pretty hilarious. Um, and so, so there's some really funny stuff with him and he, so his, his death had already happened. So, you really didn't get to experience any of that stuff with him to get the to to get why it mattered that the flash the the splash page of him laying there dead is important. Um, so just a couple of tweaks though, and I think this could have been a home run. And I just I it's not quite there. It's got a lot of great stuff going for it. It's definitely an image book. Um, and that's where it belongs. Mm-hmm. I can't see it. I couldn't see it anywhere else. This wouldn't even work at Vertigo. And um, like so many other super strong, impressive starts uh, in this publisher, I, I mean, I hope the artist can keep up with the pace. I hope that there's an end game in in mind, and I, and I hope that issue six and twelve and eighteen. A happen and B are strong as strong as this. Um, but I can't worry about that right now. I just have to kind of judge this title and I, I really liked it. I really think there's a lot, a lot of great stuff here and a lot of good characters. Um, it's a little bit of storytelling tweaks that needed to happen that didn't. So it, it it's not quite the home run I'd like, but I really like this book. You know, it's interesting because as you were talking about how they could have rearranged some stuff, I was almost wondering if they could do like a, a focus group kind of a thing and just take like that scene at the beginning where the dad's dead, toss that at the end. The yeah. dad's kind of implying, Hey, if the kid doesn't measure up, he'll, he'll, he'll die or whatever. Flip a page to epilogue and you find out the dad's gotten eradicated by this other thing. And Oh wait, it's going to come after the kid too. Kind of. A- and do you have to know how he died? Do you have to know how dad died to know? Do you have to know that to know that there's somebody after the, the adult, kid no but i I don't think you do seeing the dad completely uh, you know torn apart or whatever makes it fairly clear he's not coming back yes other than the fact we see somebody else pretty much completely torn apart and and saved right but if you but if if you close with with that without giving the exposition of the opposing forces and who's responsible and who's after you and it's just 
the, the, you know, the last we saw the progression of the kid's backstory is, well, dad doesn't know if he's going to make it through this trial. Cut to dead dad. Well, it propels you into that next issue, wanting to know if, A, the kid did it. Uh, did he snap and kill his dad? Or is there other forces at work, the same forces that are after yeah. the adult kid? I think there's there's some something to be said for that as well as leaving a little bit of mystery. They, he just threw so much out in this issue that it. He, I get why he did it, but it's almost like he could have saved a little bit of this for later. Um, so maybe there's, we don't well, have so much information. There's a little bit propelling us into that next issue. You've got all the information you need whether to know whether you even want to read this story anymore. You've you're probably leaning no. Um, I'm 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 leaning yes. But it'd be nice if there was something for some somebody in that middle ground that was at least propelling them forward. There's nothing really to propel them forward into issue two. Yeah, I think getting the origin of Earth and all of that stuff they could have saved for later. Yeah. There's a lot of exposition in this, and that was one of the things that kind of turned me off, is it was a fairly wordy book. And when you've got such a, a great artist, and you relegate one or two panels to where you just have these shapes to to indicate where the characters are, because there's so much dialogue, you don't have room for more. I'm thinking specifically the uh, lower left panel on the second to last page, um, where we're finding out about the other wives and stuff. Um the the characters there are just implied, not even fully drawn, and you've got a, again a brilliant artist. Uh, to me, it's it's a well drawn and certainly a well thought out storyline. I just have seen so many of these. Uh, the kid is special; he's got magical abilities, yada yada yada, sort of things. I didn't see a particularly brilliant twist or take or something like that on it. Uh, and there are a few things where they were clearly going for the shock, the gore, whatever. Uh, or the, the gratuitousness of it, that I was a little unimpressed if they had been shown a little bit more restraint and a little bit more um, style or something and done something clever versus just uh, utterly blatant or whatever, that might have worked better for me. This is yeah, something I think... that I think with an editor who said, you know, if you if you tweak it a little, I don't think the changes they would have needed to make to make me love this would have been significant, but they weren't made. I mean, I think there's a lot of Brian K. Vaughn and his his storytelling here um, the, from the from a shock element. Um, and he probably picked up a lot of, of his style working with him, uh, I, I'm guessing. And that works for some people and doesn't work for others. Um, we've we've had we've had that same conversation about Saga and whether mm-hmm. if you took out the the shock and or awe and gore. Um, and, and just had the story, A, would it sell as well or, and B, would it, would it reach a different and audience, an all more all ages audience and be even, even better? Um, so there's, there's arguments on both sides of that. And this is definitely, uh, of us, uh, of the saga style of, of, of shocking graphic material that you wouldn't want to put in the hands of anybody under. 14, 15, I wouldn't think. This is the kind of comic that in the wrong hands could get a store shut down and potentially somebody thrown in jail for selling it. Yeah, um, like when Saga was banned from iTunes. So, uh, and I'm not saying they don't have the right to tell the story they want to tell. They perfectly within their rights to do it. I think they, again, should have put on the front cover the mature warning. They should have been a little bit more blatant about that in the solicitation text. 
Um, yes, it may have had the flag set for, hey, it's mature or whatever, but reading the, the, the solicitation blurb, it wasn't clear that was going to be the case. Yes, when I read the solicitation, I assumed there'd be an F-bomb or two in here, and <laughs> not to the level of uh, expletives or <laughs> the explicit, uh, there's, there's... explicit graphics that, yes. uh, that we received. Um, and uh, I was a bit surprised. Um yeah, that that it wasn't kind of I I just didn't pick up on that from the solicit. That that's what I was going to get. Yeah, um, and I was I surprised st- by it. And frankly, in my mind, that's something that a more I don't say more talented because these guys are plenty talented. Um, a more sophisticated approach to the storytelling could have really raised the 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 product here or whatever. In other words. You've got like the Hitchcock style of storytelling, and you've got the the Michael Bay style of storytelling. You know, I think just just whip, just bringing that explicit box to the front would have been enough for me. Um, and he probably didn't want to ruin his art uh, with that tag uh, that he felt it was unnecessary. But I think that would have been all I needed to uh, prepare myself for what it, what this was. Um, I I don't I don't think he did it. He used any crutches or anything. I don't think that that he's cheating by doing any of this. I think this is all part of what he wants, the story he wants to tell. Um, but I do agree with you that why not, because of the nature of the explicit, the explicit nature of, of what's in here, why not err on the side of caution and throw that warning sign on the front cover for but sure. It was a missed opportunity for some true creativity and cleverness. If the potion, the guy had gotten had done something, it's like, well, I've, I've never seen a magic potion that does that. Oh, I see where he's going to use it that way. Oh, that's that's actually clever. This guy is smart, you know, or whatever. I just thought he was going to make him younger, so I'm naive. <laughs> that's all. I really thought I. It may have telegraphed to you, but when I saw it, I was just I just assumed it was going to be like a fountain of youth type of potion. There are so many ways they could have gone that could have had a. I didn't see that coming, and it's clever. <laughs> versus, oh, that's where they went. <laughs> um, uh, versus Cialis. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, uh, if it lasts more than four hours, no, we'll we'll stop there. Uh, this, there are aspects of it um, that are exceptionally well done. There are other aspects of it that I felt they've need, in my mind, needlessly limited their audience to mature only in areas that that I didn't feel were absolutely essential to the story they appear to be telling thus far. Maybe they are. So I was a little disappointed with that. This is yet another story of its ilk that I've I've seen a thousand times before, and we'll see a thousand times again. Not to say it's a bad thing, but if you're going to tell a, a time-honored, ooh, the kid isn't what he thought he was, he's going to go through a hero's journey sort of a thing, you got to give me a little bit more than just a ton of exposition and, and some, some, some really nice art. I'm going to go with a, a C- minus on this. I am not planning on picking this up and following it. Um, simply because it, it didn't click with me and I've got plenty on my reading list as it is. Um, I I, think with minor changes, they could have had this work, uh, much better for me and I would have added it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I I think that there was room for improvement here. Um, I still really enjoyed it. Um, I'm going to give it the A minus. Um, wow. Okay. And, uh, I have probably given, uh, a minuses to other books, but this week it, it was really head and shoulders. The, the most interesting thing I read and something that I'm excited for the next issue. Um, 
there's 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 fun stuff in here, but yeah, it it needed a little storytelling help, but but I think this is just it's just a really interesting creative vision from Steve Scrocy and uh it's something worth checking out should you be able to handle it um uh, if it if that adult themes is something you you don't have a problem with know that going in yeah this is again certainly not something you're going to hand to a young kid just not well if you do you you deserve whatever you get i guess it's <laughs> it's not all ages appropriate that's all i'm saying for sure I don't know if on your travels you saw, um, you remember that crosswind by Gail Simone that we reviewed not so long ago? Yes, I do remember that. Um, uh, I think you were lukewarm on it, if I, rem- if I recall. And, yeah, I uh, think I gave it a D. Oh, did you? Was it that bad? So, yeah, I I, <laughs> I don't think lukewarm is, is that's not lukewarm. quite the way I would categorize that's ice, it. That's ice cold. Um, but anyway, it did get optioned. Um, that's a long way from being a... A series, but it did get optioned, and um, I, I'm curious as to uh, what that looks like and uh, where that ends up. Uh, I'd be, I can see it working as a television show, um, but I, I'm still reading the series four, five issues in, and uh, kind of hasn't moved that far. So I'm, I'd be curious as to where a, a book like that uh, translates to, to the smaller screen. Well, and does it have the legs to last more than a season or two? Yeah. Is yeah. the premise strong enough for that? Yeah, I can't remember. The... Maybe it would be, maybe it wouldn't be. I don't know. Um, I can see it being fun for the two actors that get to play the Freaky Friday roles. Well, and I it think... really comes down to casting, I think. Yeah. Because Dark Matter, uh, as a comic book uh, from Dark Horse back in, I think, 2012, it was okay. Art wasn't brilliant. The story was, was on the page, but not amazing. Um, but they got a, a, a good set of actors for it. They really, uh, had a, a strong premise, stronger than it looked like in the comic, that they were able to do a ton of, of solid stories on for three seasons. Uh, turns out it's not going to get a fourth season. Um, found that out since, uh, my sister and I recorded the episode on the third season of that. But it's one of those that Crosswind may not have worked for me as a comic. Uh, I might check it out when, if and when it makes it to TV. Maybe it'll work better for me. Maybe it won't. Don't know. Um, but if they've, if they've cast well, um, that could make a big difference. And someone on the Slack channel had, um, posted that project 13, uh, had been optioned and, or they were, or maybe Dr. 13 when it was at DC. I can't remember. Was it project 13 or Dr. 13? When project it was at DC? 13 is what seems to be the TV show. Dr. 13 and Tracy 13 are the characters in DC. And and where would I have seen those? Um, at one point when DC was doing those backup features for a couple of months, one of those was either Doctor 13 or Tracy 13. Tracy 13 also hung around with Natasha Irons in one of the Superman-related uh, books a couple of years back. Um, Doctor 13 was a mystical uh, investigator. Okay. They have Elizabeth Banks attached as her. Uh, uh, as one of the people behind the scenes, I don't know that she would be in the show as any of the characters. Oh, okay. I thought she was, pro- uh, executive producing on it, but I'm not sure. Developing, yeah, she's the developing, developer. yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, it, I did. I did. It totally was under my radar. I'd never seen that. It or could heard be of it. fun. If they do it, I hope they find a way to tie it in with the other stuff CW is doing, uh, and just kind of build up the, the library of, of DC characters and expand that, that multiverse. Yeah. I don't, yeah. Maybe not as it's, uh, as its own, um, 
strong show, but maybe as something to fill in the off season. I could see replacement. it being its own strong show. It could easily do a, a Buffy sort of, you know, thing with the supernatural. There are a lot of directions they could go. Really? There's an, there's enough there. Okay. Uh, to me, it's not, is there enough there? It's, it's, can the writer's room for the show, uh, take the premise and, and run with it in a good direction? True. I mean, I don't, I, I didn't know that there was enough for the multiple seasons of iZombie and there has been. So it's, it's, uh, it's true. Yeah, it just depends on who the who the production team is, I guess. You could argue that zombies walking around and stuff and some survivors couldn't possibly sustain a TV series for seven or eight seasons. <laughs> you could, yeah, you would be surprised. Apparently it has, and a spinoff, so, you know. I, I don't think there are any properties that are inherently brilliant or horrible. I think some are stronger and more obvious than others, uh, or what their strengths are and stuff. But, you know, you look at the Animal Man series that Grant Morrison did, that took a D or E or Z list character of Animal Man and got a series that ran for what a hundred and jeez, I don't even remember how many issues. Uh, People love it. People love that that run. It, it's got some brilliant stuff to it. It was one of the the not the anchors of Vertigo, but one of the stronger titles there behind Swamp Thing, Hellblazer, etc. Um, and it was. Were you arguably, a fan? Did you read it? Oh, I read it from the beginning. Okay. Um, but it also, and I thought the first four issues, because it started as a four-issue miniseries, they were brilliant. Um, and then it got a little wackier and weirder as it went on, but it still had some some definite brilliance to it. But that was arguably a very lame concept that was used. So can do a lot with with anything uh, if you just give it some thought and and see where you can where you can take it and what works. Yeah, I I mean I agree with that. I guess the um, brand recognition, name recognition. I wouldn't think would be there with that, where it would be with a flash or an arrow. I would argue prior to Smallville, Green Arrow didn't have any sort of real major name recognition outside of the comic stuff. He's a knockoff Robin Hood. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. So uh, the 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 cachet or whatever of the name and the strength of the property, Black Lightning doesn't have anything to, to really bank on either. True. You know, it's, can you tell a good story? Do you get good actors? Can you put together an entertaining show? Can you pitch it in such a way that you can get some eyeballs on it early and get it, give them a chance uh, to make it? Yeah. Can you launch strong and, and keep up the word of mouth? I think that does it.